God's intention in leaving you here is not a cruel joke. His intention on leaving you here is the same as when Jesus said, Lord, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, pray this prayer. I'm sorry for all my sins. Please take me to heaven when I die. Well, no, that's not the prayer that Jesus said to pray. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job, the reason God's leaving us here is because he wants to transform this planet back to his original intention. And that was that the kingdom of God, faith, hope, and love would would be a, a universal principle that every single one of his children lived within while they were here. And that producing life as God intended it to be for every single human being. And so here we watch now Jesus in, in Luke, where did I tell you to go? In Luke chapter something or other, Luke chapter 11. Um, and he says this in verse 42, but woe unto you Pharisees. That's very important, I think. I'll come back to that. Uh, for you tithe of mint and rue and all of the manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. And then Jesus speaking here says, these things ought you have done. So when you are tithing, there's more to tithing because there are principles of the heart that Jesus is talking about. But then he finishes off his statement saying, but not leave the other undone. What's that doing? See, that would, that's a contradiction in our modern Christianity that says, well, the tithing and the things about tithing have passed away. Those things don't count anymore. That part of God must have just died away or something, we would say. Instead of realizing what Jesus was trying to teach us was is that the principles of tithing, the blessing of tithing, the God's perspective on tithing, really the gift that God has given us of tithing is still something that we are able to access by faith in our lives today. We don't just do them, as he's saying there, based on the law or the principle of the law, saying I need to do it because I need to do it. Instead, he's saying, you know what? I'm going to grow into this place of tithing out of a belief system, knowing that the Old Testament principles, although I don't follow them based on the law, are still principles that I want in my heart. I still want to be a doer of those things because everything that God does produces a blessing. Everything he does is an expression of faith, hope, and love. And I want to be one of those people that step into that. I don't just want to do it in the works of tithing. I want to really, if I'm going to do it, I want to embrace it. I want to know what I'm doing in my covenant with God. And then that way, when I step forth into the rest of my life, I'm stepping forth knowing without a shadow of a doubt that the principle of tithing is also working in the receiving side of things when I recognize that I'm in covenant with Almighty God and I'm faithful to my side of the covenant. Because I'm faithful to my side of the covenant, I go boldly into the rest of my world. You know, back when we had financial issues, you know, 25 or so years ago, you know, when if I needed to change, if I was late on my cell phone payment and I wanted to change something about my cell phone plan, I didn't want to call the cell phone company to say I want to change my plan. Do you know why? Because they reroute my call. And so they see my number come in and they reroute me to billing first. Has everybody ever had? No, you never had this experience. And you see, because things aren't in right standing between me and my cell phone company, the relationship is all messed up. Not because they messed it up. They want to keep giving me cell phone, but the relationship is all messed up. That's somehow, you know, it's a picture somehow of what happens when we start getting all of these things crossed out of our lives when we don't really appreciate what God is trying to do for us in our giving and in our times of giving. So hold your offering envelope up with you. 
as you release your tithes, as you release whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you to give above and beyond that, you know the Holy Spirit doesn't have to tell you to tithe. The Bible already tells you to do that. And so as we step into those things, if you're a tither or you're believing to be a tither, you want the faith, we want to agree with you today as we are, as we are releasing these words what we're trying to do is bring clarity to us so that when we're doing the things that we do, we're doing them with great faith. When you do something with great faith, boy, the, the results that you see almost instantaneously are what we would call miraculous. And so you each want to be really pursuing that. Don't let my words be an offense to you. What my words are here to do is to get you into the place of faith so that all of this process of God's blessing in your life is, you know, it's, it's on grease tracks and starts to work perfectly for you. So say this with me. Say, Jesus, I boldly declare that I am a tither. Even if you're not, say it by faith. Say, I am a tither. And so I declare that the windows of heaven are over my life, over my business, over my bank account, over my job, over my family, over all of my possessions. I declare creativity, innovation, invention flows into my life and causes increase, supernatural increase, God-covenanted increase in every area of my life. I declare that I am the head and not the tail, that I increase in supernatural ways. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about our faith GPS, yeah. uh, because we've kind of taken on this objective of this year, 2016, being the year of faith, the year of great faith, where we're really going to resurrect inside of each one of our hearts uh, the priority that God places on faith in the scriptures. Yeah. As we talked about uh, last week, I think, when we went through those you know, 30 scriptures or so that told us over and over again, that everything that you access from God is accessed by faith. Salvation comes from faith. Purity comes from faith. Healing comes from faith. Prosperity comes from faith. Relationships come by faith. A sanctification and righteousness and redemption and justification, on and on and on and on and on and on and on we go. All of them accessed by faith, which means that there is a hierarchy to the things that God wants you to understand when it comes to the ways of his kingdom. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 4. He says, how do you understand any of the parables unless you first understand this one? Which means that there is a hierarchy to an understanding or an accessing of the promises and, the, and the, the blessings that are available to us in the scripture. And so understanding faith and how faith works is the priority of the New Testament. Yeah. Well, you'd say, well, getting born again is the priority of the New Testament. Well, that's true. But how do you get born again? By faith. So you have to understand how to access salvation if salvation comes by faith. So it's important that you first understand what faith is and then go and apply that, first of all, certainly, to your salvation, <clears throat> which we'll talk a little bit about if we can get there today. And so what, what we want to talk about is our GPS. Does anybody, does anybody have a GPS in their car? Does anybody know what that is in their phone, in their car? You know, another one of those women barking at and talking to you all the time. <laughs> telling you which way to go and how to get there, you know, how many of you guys appreciate that very much? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me explain to you how a GPS system works. 
a GPS system works by, uh, let me go back a little bit. When I used to race sailboats back in the long time ago, when I was young like you, Alexa, I was actually young like you at one time. And I used to race sailboats out on Lake Erie, uh, Lake Ontario. And the way that we used to do uh, positioning back then was we used to do sort of like a manual GPS system. And so there were two, hopefully three satellites that we would, what we called, ping them. So we would send a signal really quickly from this, what they called a Loran system inside the boat. We would shoot a ping signal up to the satellite. The satellite would get our signal, return a ping signal to us. We would listen to that signal and how long it took us for that signal to get there and back. That told me how far I was away from that satellite. So then what I would do is I would get a little, little, what do you call those things? No, the, the spinny thing, compass. And so I would take the, that satellite position, which I would know on a map where the satellite was, and I would draw a circle, uh, sort of a, you know, whatever. I take a guess as to generally where I was in the boat. And I would draw a little circle. Then I would ping another satellite, and I would draw another semicircle, and I would ping another satellite, and I would draw another semicircle. And where those little arcs all came together, shazam, that's where I am. That's exactly the same thing that now all that very difficult you know, pencil work is now all being done by that little tiny little TomTom box that you have on your cell phone or whatever. It's constantly doing these things. And so we kind of like look at a GPS and the GPS you would say is, why do I need a GPS? Well, the GPS is going to tell me how to get where I'm going. Well, that's technically not what a GPS does. A GPS tells you where you are now. 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 Faith, walking by faith, is kind of like the exact same thing. We kind of think that walking by faith is telling us where we are going. But our life of walking by faith is more importantly telling us where am I now? Where am I now? Where am I now? Okay, where am I now? And as I keep analyzing where I am now, because we would take that, you know, as we would look at the lake, the, the, the lake Ontario, and, you know, we know where all the big rocks are under the surface. We know where the shorelines are. We know where all that is on the map. And as long as I can locate myself pretty much generally inside the lake, not near a rock or a lighthouse or one of these bad things that you don't want to hit on a boat, then I would be fairly comfortable that I could just continue on my way. That's very similar to what it means to walk by faith. That if I adopt an attitude in myself of really being very aware of where am I now, when I know where I am now, it's very easy for me to figure out where, how to get to where I want to be. The problem, Toronto is still wherever Toronto has always been. That's not the problem. The blessing of God has always been where it's always been. That's not really the problem. The problem is sometimes I don't know where I am relative to it. And this is where we can run into a lot of problems. If you were here with us on Wednesday night, we kind of jumped right into this, to the confession curve. And that's what you see here on this little whiteboard. If you weren't here on, on Wednesday night, you know, we'll have a CD for you if you'd like one, or it's online, or it's all kinds of other ways that you'll be able to get it. But I encourage you to get it because it'll help you to stay up with what the key is of understanding what it means to walk by faith. And that is 
that, you know, our, our life of faith is, our life is broken down into two sides. One area is where we are deceived, two areas where we have the truth. The kingdom of God, this is where's my marker, this is what's really important, is what the Bible calls flesh or natural or carnal or darkness and all of these kind of metaphors that the Bible tries to talk to us about in living in our natural world, perceiving our natural world based on those principles. That is all what goes on down here. And our journey then, our transformational journey, as we talked about Wednesday night, is going along from this place where everybody comes when they first come into the kingdom. Everybody is down here, in, for the most part, in every area of life. We're living in that place that the Bible calls misery. As we go through the transformational process, we are heading away from misery towards blessing. And we get on this curve, what we call the confession curve, that will be on the tape, you can listen to it. As you go along this road, this area right here is our natural life. Or you're living in the kingdom of men. Once you cross over this line right here, you are entering the kingdom of God. Or as Jesus referred to it, the kingdom of heaven. They are different things, but we'll use them simultaneously right now. The ki- this is why when in John chapter 3, Jesus said, you know, if you're never born again, you can't see the kingdom. If you don't get baptized in water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. Because this is where we enter the kingdom when we finally cross over from a worldview and a perspective that is all about fear, dread, and selfishness into a world that is all about faith, hope, and love. Not trying to be faith, hope, and love, but that's the natural outcropping of our lives. And the world in that area or that revelation has just dramatically changed to us because our our perception of it has changed. And so we can see in our lives that as we are moving what, where we mostly find probably 99% of Christianity finds themselves in some kind of a hybrid version or a mixture of hot and cold down in this area here, this is the area of religion. We know life should be better. We'd like life to be better. We know God wants life to be better. We come to church and we cheer because life should be better and that I'm going to someday in the great hereafter going to have a great life and we're all excited about that, but nothing ever happens in our natural lives because our natural lives are still down in this zone, still being run by the principles of fear, dread, and selfishness. And so when... I'm putting this candy in my mouth. I don't carry it around all day. So now, what we have to do is, if we are buying into this journey that Jesus said where he wants us living is in the kingdom of God. He wants us to live up in this zone where the truth of the word of God, God's ways, God's perspective, God's principles, God's yeses and nos, God's way of doing things, all of that becomes part of our inner programming. Once the word of God becomes our inner programming, then we begin to manifest automatically, you'll hear that on the tape too, that our heart will bring forth fruit of itself. The problem that we have is that so many people, they look for God, they look for truth, but they only get somewhere along the downside of this curve, which, you know, if I drew it actually correctly, 
Let me draw you what it actually looks like. The when you come, I'll do it up here as a little side note so I can rub it out really, really quickly. This is where we come to church. It kind of goes up a little the first six or seven days. And then it goes down like that. Because you didn't used to know all the things that I'll judge you and condemn you about, but now you do. You didn't know all the places that God was evidently judging you and criticizing you and condemning you and all that. You don't understand that he's not doing that, but because your perspective is still based on judgment and and all of those type of things, you'll hear everything the person who's trying to help you says is judgmental and critical, even when it's not. And so you see that what most people find is that their journey gets somewhere down into this area here. And they've had enough of all of that. They hate the church and they leave. God's just bad and judgmental. And that's all they ever find out about what the kingdom of God is. And they'll go, "Mm, no, that's what happened. And that happens to people nowadays by the millions. Instead, what has to happen is, is that we have got to pursue this curve all the way up into this place here. Jesus was not successful in his ministry because he was a man of misery. There was a season in his life where you'd probably say, I would not trade lives with you. That was the last half of the book of John. But I'll tell you, I'll promise you, if you would have met Jesus in the flesh during his teaching ministry, like the rich young ruler or the young lawyer or people that came to Jesus and said, how can I have what you have? These were the elite of the elite. They were coming to Jesus saying, "I, I want what you have. How do I get what you have? Because there was this effervescence to him because he was not living down here in some religious code. Remember what he says, you know, what we call a swear word, you know, Pharisee? The ultimate in, well, no, the ultimate is Jezebel. The next one right next to Jezebel is Pharisee. You see, Jesus was just referring to people who were trying down on this side, but which has become the norm for us in the kingdom, is just people who are down on this area, struggle, 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 struggle. So let's take a look then at what we need to do to place ourselves in an attitude where I am experiencing the blessing or I am setting myself up for this transitional period. Can I, t- can I promise you something? After 15 years now or so, I don't know when we, when we technically started this ministry, the corporation started in 2003, which was 13 years ago. I can certainly promise you that the problem is not in the, in the understanding of the principle of transformation. I can promise you that. The problem in the early years that we face as human beings is a lack or a not really understanding how to prepare my heart for a transitional season. Jeremiah tells us this really interesting thing about our heart, not your blood pump, your real you, that spiritual heart that is in you. It tells us that the heart of a human being is above all else, what? You would probably, you'd be, okay, you've heard me teach it before. <laughs> above all else, most, most religious people, most people who have been around God for a while, they will say, above all else, our heart is wicked. wicked. It does say that your heart is wicked in that scripture, but it says, above all else, it is deceitful. Right. What that means is that it's very difficult for a human being to actually access the, the things that they believe. 
They don't, you don't, we don't really know what do I actually believe? Because I will tell you, after ministering to people for years and years and years and years and years now, I can promise you that you think you believe something very different than you believe. And I'm not being critical of you. I'm just saying, guess what? You human. Because the scripture tells us that we are, our heart wants to deceive us. It wants us to think that we are different than we actually are. And we begin to develop, especially in our culture. Our culture is the most developed in this area of any human culture that has ever lived, ever. Not the Greeks, not the Romans. We don't, they don't even hold a candle to us. We have developed such amazing skill at hiding who we actually are, even from ourselves. You can probably hear where this is going. How can I turn on my GPS system to give me an accurate directions to where I want to go if I am telling the GPS system that I am somewhere that I'm actually not? I'd like to go to Toronto from, I'm actually in Fort Erie, but I'm going to tell the, the system that I'm in Sydney, Australia. And then I'm going to follow the directions that the GPS gives me because I am totally deceived about the fact that I even told the machine that I was in Sydney, Australia. Then I'm going to get mad at God because I'm not in Toronto yet. That's how everybody deals with this whole walking by faith thing. If we're not able to be honest with ourselves as to where I actually am right now. And I'm not saying you're not trying to be honest. That's not the problem. The problem is your soul is trying to prevent you from ever being honest about where you are. Its job is actually, well, let's not say its job. Its new job is actually to prevent anybody ever knowing who you actually are. You see, that's what sin does. I'm, I was afraid because I was naked. So I what? I'm sorry? I hid myself. Think about that's That's the third page of your Bible. I was ashamed, afraid because I was ashamed because I was naked, and so I hid myself. Our soul actually hides itself from us, which renders our GPS system useless. But it would be nice if we just treated it as useless. We don't. Right. We treat it as though it's accurate, even though we've given it really bad information. Do you see the problem? Here's where we're gonna, that's what. So as we prepare, as each one of us is starting, I believe, to understand, okay, God is calling me to have a real understanding.